We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Blue with Stu. I'm your host, Stuart Douglas, as always, on the Field of 68 Network. With me today is Michigan grad, host of the Spiro Avenue show, Justin Spiro. What's going on, man? I appreciate you coming on. Michigan grad, you're off to a bad start already. It's it's Did Michigan, I say Michigan grad, it's Michigan State. Yeah, you're Michigan like an ESPN. Yeah, I can't even. Producer. I don't even. I can't even recognize state as a word when it's next to Michigan. That I can't even say it next to yours. Yeah, yeah, that's a big mistake to make. I mean, Michigan State people couldn't get into Michigan. I was told by your star former All-American second team center. So yeah, you don't want to make that mistake right out of the gate. You know, we're very no. sensitive and he's Lansing. So no, we don't, man. He's been good at that. He's been so good at playing heel. I don't even know what's real or fake with him anymore. Um, but yeah, you, you, I, I've only had Michigan people really on the podcast talking about Michigan basketball, obviously as we're a Michigan basketball podcast, but haven't had the other side and too many controversial opinions, but it's been a very, controversial time in Michigan basketball and I'm hearing it from fans on Twitter left and right about Juwan as a coach um so I kind of wanted to get the other side's opinion on what they're seeing from an outside perspective although it still is a little biased obviously we both have our biases with being from the other side and have our opinions about state or Michigan vice versa but what do you see are are you on the fire Juwan train or are you just kind of observing it right now and can't quite figure out what's going on with everything? I, I understand why that's a topic. Like that's if I were hosting a Michigan show, that's what people are talking about. So that's I'm not criticizing the question because I would ask the same one in your spot. But it's really a non-serious conversation. Like there, there's no way they would do that. And I think, yeah. furthermore, it's insane that they would even suggest that at this point. You're not that far removed from being on the cusp of a Final Four you don't pull the plug that quickly. I, I mean, even North Carolina doesn't pull the plug that quickly on their coaches. Right. Kentucky, Kentucky doesn't pull the plug that quickly on their coaches. And, uh, you know, Michigan, I think, is not quite at that level, but Michigan's at that sort of top of the second tier level. I have a, a lot of respect for that program. So, I mean, it's, it's a non-serious conversation to have at this point. I do think it's fair if next year goes poorly to at least have the conversation, depending, uh, depending on what, poorly looks like i mean how poor are we talking about yeah but if they if they let's say they miss the tournament this year which is not definite yet yeah. and then they miss it again next year you're michigan i'll give you the one mulligan north carolina had their 10 and 20 year and then they were in the national title game a year later like kentucky missed it one year broke that streak but they were right back in the next year you can't miss the tournament twice in a row so i, I think it's insanely premature but it's not premature to say, oh, this is something to keep an eye on for next year. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just such a nuanced topic that goes beyond like, oh, he won this amount of games or lost this amount of games or even missed the term. I do agree with you. Next year is a huge barometer. If you miss the tournament two years in a row, 
now it depends on who comes back. Let's say Hunter leaves, Kobe leaves, Jet leaves. And I don't know, you have like a weird transfer. You know, maybe there's a built-in excuse there, but then you're looking at like, well, why do these guys leave? So I, th- that that is part of the nuance as well. It's like, why are guys leaving? Why did Frankie Collins leave? Now the, all these guys can leave, even if they like have their start, starting spots locked in for next year. So it's a weird topic, I think, for me personally, to compare Jawan to Beeline. I mean, he took over the job right as college basketball was changing really big time. And for better or for worse, like, you know, now Hunter will probably, I think, will probably come back for his senior year because of the NIL changes. You know, what's all knock on wood that he'll be getting the money from, uh, what is it? I can't remember what the program is that, that Michigan fans started. But on the other side of it is like, you got guys that can leave in and out and now you're expected to use a transfer portal to your advantage every single year. I think there's a learning curve there for all coaches. Um, and, and all in all, you need a greater length of time to figure it all out. I, I feel like Michigan for sure. It's been my, one of my biggest problems with Michigan. Even when I was there was that there was always an expectation of greatness. And I was like in football and basketball, like we haven't been great for years, years and years and years. Like, why are we judging rich rod and beeline after two or three years based off of because of some success that guys happened have and like 10 years ago or 15 years ago like they're still looking for the fab five um you know when beeline was there and it was like this stuff takes time i know in the middle of me being with beeline it was like we were doing the right things he was the exact same coach he was when we were playing well as we were when we were playing bad now there was some nuance there's some differences there about how the team reacted but it's just such a long-term thing. Like I am fully ready to have all sorts of patience. And I think that they've actually improved on the things that they didn't like about Juwan, like the offense. Um, I don't know how much you've watched of Michigan, but I think there's been a lot of improvement of how this team has played from the beginning of the year. I mean, if I think if they don't lose to Central Michigan, like they're, they're, we're talking about their like first four out or first uh, last four in, like at very minimum to me. Do you think that's wrong? I mean, they were last four in five seconds ago before the Indiana game with the central loss. So I think that's definitely safe to say they were already in there. So I think if you take away the central loss, which is just devastating, I mean, they're what 10 and 21 now. Yeah, I think that's kind of self-evident. I I disagree a little bit on the football, not that we're having a football discussion, but Michigan's the fan base being mad about the football program when Rich Rod was there. There were a number of reasons why he didn't work out, but they were not 10 years removed. Two years earlier, they were in a one versus two against Ohio State. That's and the year after that, one year before Rich Rod, they were preseason number four or five, the Appalachian State year. So that made a little more sense. The basketball thing, I completely agree with you. And it's Beeline, who is your coach. I, I think he's one of the few successful Michigan figures that Michigan State people can't really say anything bad about. Like, we actually like John Beeline and respect that guy. I, when you're looking at these programs – in general, just any college program, football, basketball, doesn't matter. I kind of look at it in two ways and two components. Number one, what's happening on the quarter on the field? Like if you're winning, that's, that's great. If you're losing, whatever, that's, that sucks. But the second component is what's the trajectory of the program that you, you see going forward? How's recruiting, you know, what's the attrition like with staff? You know, are you getting good guys? So like Mel Tucker for the football side, Michigan state, the on-field results sucked this year. Like mm-hmm. five and seven is objectively embarrassing for a program with pride, and Michigan State has that. But I can look at twenty other data points to say, okay, it's still a healthy program. They're spending a ton of money. The facilities are going to be brand new. They had the highest recruiting class in the history of the program. So I can live with five and seven with seeing something better on the horizon. With Juwan Howard, I'm seeing a mediocre on-court product. And the worst recruiting class Michigan's had in some time. And they don't have one guy, I think, in the top 75 or 100. So if they have attrition, as we expect, they'll have some. It just depends how bad. They better hit that portal because now I'm looking at the team doesn't look good now. The recruiting class is at not an all-time low, but a recent history low. What am I hanging my hat on at that point? I'm not saying fire them, but I would start to have concerns if I were a Michigan fan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, definitely. And I should have stated that it was more about hiring Harbaugh when you went through the Rich Rod, Brady Hoke eras, because I sort of said, like, I experienced those eras. They were not great. Like, let's be happy with good instead of bad. Like, you, you, when you have constant turnover, it just it, it puts a, the program in a state of turmoil, and it's hard to get that footing. I think what what thing Beeline did really well was stick around and have it, as Stauskas always tells me, like, make it cool to go to Michigan again. And you don't have that if you're, like, always questioning the coach. Um, it's... It is all dependent on this turnover. It it, it really is. It, the recruiting class was not super great. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what Washington and Papa can do when they come in. It all depends. You never know what freshmen are going to do when they come in. But, I mean, they have Doug and Terrace to build on. Let's say Kobe can come back and Hunter can come back. And you got Terrence. I mean, nobody should be, is going to really leave. You're going to miss Joey Baker um, you can probably replace them in the portal, to be honest with you, with, with a guy like that, you find shooters all the time in the portal to come in for their fifth year or fourth or fifth year. So that it, it's a weird conversation that we can have this and evaluate, like there's two parts of it, right? Like what they're doing as a coach and then other circumstances that I don't know. Sometimes they are in their control. Sometimes they aren't like Frankie Collins. There was some, you know, rumors around him that like that situation and dealing with his family or friends group or whatever it may be as advisors, like wasn't great. And like he wasn't getting great advice. So like, can is that Juwan's fault? I don't really know. What I will say is that I think players like Juwan. And what I really want to do, and this is this is like the X factor for me that we'll never fully get right. I want to be inside that huddle. I want to know, go through. We'll never be able to go through like months and months of practice and see how Juwan actually like operates a program. Because to me, that's that is huge. Like how he can get guys to react how he can get them to improve. And if they like him, like, can he build a program? Like, I think he's learning about recruiting a little more. He's learning about the X's and O's. I think his X's and O's have got a lot better this season. Um, he can't just throw the ball up like he did with the Miami heat. Right. And I, so there's like these little things that we'll never be able to answer. So I always have uh, trouble with these conversations. They're like, there's so many things I don't know. There's so many things I don't know. And I can't answer. And the things that I really want to know, like what's a coach like inside the huddle and on a month to month game to game basis, and that, that's what makes it hard for me to like really engage in some of these conversations, to be honest. And the biggest thing, in my opinion, from what I'm seeing, and just as a general matter, but as it pertains to Michigan, why this conversation is hard to have. If you go back, let's say, 12 months and nine days, University of North Carolina was outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. They were trying to get on the bubble, worked their way up to the bubble, ended up beating Duke at Cameron Indoor, basically clinched their tournament appearance last year but i mean you're going back just over a year north carolina didn't even think they were going to make the tournament they end up going to the national championship game had kansas down like 17 points or whatever it was and yeah. had a chance to win at the end none of that happens they missed the tournament entirely if brady manic is not there from the portal i mean he was yeah. huge in that regular season they would have been a 500 team thereabouts if he doesn't land there if they don't get brady manic that one guy was worth getting into the tournament and getting on the cusp of a national championship a, a hair away. So, you know, who knows who's going to be available in the portal, but it's basketball. It's not football. Like all of Michigan state had a football example with Kenneth Walker, but for the most part, basketball, you had one or two guys, everything we're talking about is out the window. I mean, so we can say recruiting's bad, this class, relatively speaking, which it is just objectively by the rankings, it's sure. lower than prior. We're not happy if we're Michigan fans with what we're seeing on the court, but you are one living room conversation away from getting a portal guy and this whole thing kind of changes. So it is a fool's errand to really project into the future. But what you can say is the stuff that we do know 
I would be like not upset. I would be nervous as a Michigan fan. That's just where I would stand. Yeah, no, and I totally get that. It, it, and it comes down to the nuances of talking about basketball over results, which is always the hardest conversation. Like I said, like you just, I don't know. I can look at like what schemes probably are during the game or how they should be executing things. The only thing that I can say is that I've seen vast improvement in the way that they've been executing. And even when they brought Jet back and the whole, whole are they better without Jet? And, and are they better offensively and defensively? Uh, defensively is probably um, less arguable, but offensively, people were wondering, like, well, do they execute more without Jet? And yeah, but they brought him in. I think they did execute pretty well against IU at a tough environment. So I always said, if the if this season was 50 games long, this would be a totally, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think the development of this team going forward, I mean, they're in the Big Ten. They're, they're just as good as anybody else. Like, they're in the Big Ten. They are a they are a tournament team. And, but that doesn't that doesn't move the needle for anybody because if they miss the tournament, that that's a big deal. So it's that balance of like, are we seeing improvement here um, versus the results? And it's like I'm I'm banging my head against the wall at all times. But I want to ask you if they do make the tournament. I had people tell me that last year making the tournament, making the Sweet Sixteen, was like lipstick on a pig for them they did they still didn't view the season now if they were had a good season this is my problem with fandom is they had a good season this year they had been totally they've been talking very different about that sweet 16 last year but how it was the stepping stone to a, an improved season but do you i mean do you think them making the tournament after squeaking in two years in a row and let's say they win a couple games in the tournament like is that progress for you because for some people they're still not happy with it I don't think it's progress if that's what happens because you've already done all that. I mean, progress by definition means we're moving forward. You're so going to be, we view it a little different. Well, I, I, how about, how do you view that as progress? So you're just I, doing what you already did. I right? think that, yeah, I, I do think that the expectations early on that this team was going to be a top 25 team and the team last year, like the team last year was definitely viewed skewed towards Caleb and Musa's rankings. And then from the, what they had last year, that team that they had the year before, which was an amazing team. And I thought that was unfair. Like I remember going into the season saying, like, they're not a top 25 team. It's just not the case. They they won't be early. They'll lose games. They'll jump out of the top 25. And this year they're ranked the same way. And I'm like, you can't be putting all this amount of freshman minutes into the top 25. It's just really not going to work. Sometimes it works, but like you, it's just not something you should predict to be in the top 25. So I never thought they were there from, from the get-go. And all I wanted to see from them was improvement. And it took a long time took a long time so that's I view it just a little bit differently as they have progressed this year and last year was very frustrating to me it was honestly more frustrating even though people weren't as frustrated last year I, eh, that might be a lie they probably were a little bit with Caleb and the expectations there but again I just had n- not the same expectations so I feel like maybe my bias is that I am seeing some improvement and that I want them to play well and improve and I like these kids so maybe I'm happy. Maybe I'm too inside baseball right now with with all of this. I, I think it's funny. I I want more for your program than you do. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, just just on principle. I I'm not saying. I said I wouldn't fire him. I think that's an insane yeah. conversation. I think it's insane. I don't even think it's. Eh, I see where you're coming from. I think you're crazy if you're you're a Michigan fan. You're saying, oh, you got to fire him. I think you're nuts. I don't even think it's it's a topic of legitimate conversation. But I would be mad. I mean, I just I think you you guys got to be better than that at this point. I mean, Tom Izzo first two years missed the tournament. I you know any basketball coach coming over doing a rebuild of a program, you kind of give them a pass those first couple years anyway. But since year three, has never missed the tournament since in a quarter century. Juwan Howard has already failed in that by you know missing the tournament. If it happens, we're not there yet. They could redeem this whole thing. But if he does, he's already done something that the school up the road has never done in, you know, with their coach that's in place right now. So I, I don't understand the Michigan perspective, which you're, you are in that camp, it seems like. You should be a Final Four, win the Big Ten type thing. I mean, that's what I apply to Michigan State. It's like, did we win the Big Ten? Are we going to the Final Four? Obviously, national championships, wonderful. That's a really hard thing to demand and pound the table. But like Sweet 16s, it's nice. I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not, you know, thumbing my nose at it, but mm-hmm. – Michigan has graduated from that in the beeline era and should expect more, in my opinion. How much, though, are you going to give him grace for stepping 
I I am not a believer of this program was humming and then they handed Juwan and should be doing the same exact thing. He was never a head coach. He's never been a head coach. He has no idea what he's doing on a lot of different levels. And I just don't think that's fair. Like that team, he's changed so much in the last two years. Like that team that he had with Livers and Franz, you could play that NBA style. Like they came up and they played pretty free. Um, even Hunter was a part of that. And then the defending, like he didn't have to teach them very much. They they had they knew the basic principles. So he could coach them like they were NBA players, I feel like. And then he gets the Caleb and Musa team last year. And it's like, damn, I need to really take this down to basics. And I didn't realize how important it was that I have to play these freshmen now. And that some guys are just have a different learning curve than others. And this is the same exact thing this year with having to play freshmen again. I mean, I really thought Caleb and Musa were going to come back and it was going to be a whole different season. But are you not giving him the benefit of the doubt at all? I really think that it's very different from where he took over and he's realizing like, oh shit, like this is actually very different. Like the last two years, the actual test. And it's like actual now figuring out what college basketball is. And should he have just taken the program and just hummed along with it? Like, should it have been that easy? I don't find it to be that easy. Said that it's easy. It's just it, it's not easy to accomplish things when you're applying it to a high standard. I don't think it, it it should be considered easy. But you're Michigan. You're Michigan basketball. It's a hell of a program. I, like I said, I I mean I don't think anybody, even Michigan people, put it in like a blue blood program. But I think you guys are right in that next level. I, so no, it's not that it's easy. But how long is this internship? I mean, we're in year four, right? I mean, so One we're here. That, that's me. a long it. I mean, if you're if you're valiant defense to use the Michigan term valiant, if you're yes. valiant defense of Juwan Howard is well, to be fair, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's never done this before. He's he's starting to learn. That's not a great ringing endorsement, in my opinion. I mean, again, I, I think I do think it's funny. It's like a, who's the Michigan State guy? And who's the Michigan guy here? I feel I feel like I'm the Wolverine demanding more, but I, I don't know. I am thrilled if Michigan wants to settle for Sweet 16 as a ceiling. I think that's awesome. I think it's great for Michigan State, but just on principle, that should be done by now. I mean, that you're that's kind of like a year one on the job, year two on the job argument. I, I mean, you, so you're saying one more year. So the internship, he graduates from the internship like after this year or after no. next year? After this year. Now, okay. a little caveat for me, I'm still going to – like if, if everyone leaves <laughs> next year, like I'm not having zero expectations. But if you get – let's say best case scenario, Jet is the only person that leaves – then you have to win next year. Like you have to be top three in the Big Ten, if not win the Big Ten. I you have to pretty much win the Big Ten. I think. I, don't, I mean, I can't imagine what the projections are. I don't know what the projections are next year. What teams look like, but and then at least make the Sweet Sixteen. You know, that is definitely an expectation for me next year with this team coming back. If you can get that most mostly that core back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um. So yeah, it, it all kind of depends on some things, but I'm not I'm not going in with zero expectations at all. I just know it, it it's funny both years, like last year with with Musa and Caleb, and this year with all the freshmen, and then like Kobe playing his first major minutes. Beeline would have lost his damn mind playing this many 18 and 19 year old kids. He would have lost his mind. He hated it. He said the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. It was the worst thing in his mind that he had to play freshman ever. I mean, he tried to bench me so many times, but he couldn't because I was his only option there, the two guard for, for a while. But it's um, I, I don't know. And, and is that on Juwan? We'll see. But no, I'm definitely definitely not like prolonging the internship. Um, if these guys come back or even if you have like Doug and Terrace and Will, like even if Kobe comes back, if like one of Kobe Jet or Hunter come back, there's going to be major expectations on the season next year. There's a lot of Michigan fans. I had Greg Waddell on my show. I don't know if you're familiar with his work from Sleepers yeah. Media. And he's okay. a, a big Michigan basketball guy. And he, he had an interesting theory, and I've heard it repeated since then. 
I'm curious for your take on it, not to play host on your own show, but his opinion was Hunter Dickinson leaving would be a good thing, he thinks, because he thinks that the, his teammates don't like him. Everything has to be sort of built around him, and you can have almost like a addition by subtraction, not saying he's not a hell of a player because that's, that's self-evident. Everybody understands that. Yeah. But there are certain situations where a guy leaves – and the team gets better. I, Bill Simmons talked about it with, he called it the Ewing theory, how the Knicks would yeah. sometimes play better when Patrick Ewing was hurt. I don't know what, what's your take on that? He seems to think Dickinson is leaving would be the best thing for Michigan. Is, is he insane in your opinion? I, yeah, he, he came on here and we talked about it a little bit and I, we didn't really get into it too far. I can't remember exactly what we talked about, but I disagree. I, I wholeheartedly disagree. I think that, from what I've seen, like Hunter is actually like a soft-spoken kid. And I think he does. Now, we, we'll never know, right? This is my take. We'll never know unless we're inside the locker room. And even then, you have these bitter relationships. Like I had plenty of teammates I did not care for, like did not want to talk to, did not want to deal with. But he seems like a guy that is playing the heel and he keeps that pretty separate elsewhere. To be honest with you, I think he's a little too unselfish. I mean, the amount of ball screens this kid will willingly set – Boggles my mind sometimes. There was a game, not a game. It was the IU game, the last game against IU. And it was a, a play to end regulation. And he set a ball screen for Jet, willingly came out. He like called for the ball to go to Jet in the wing and was like, thought you were going to uh, throw it to him in the post. And he willingly went and set a ball screen. I'm like, I, if I am Hunter Dickinson, there's no way in hell I am setting a ball screen there. I'm demanding the ball in the post and then creating from there. Like, I am the go to guy. So I think he's been a pretty willing teammate. Um, I think last year he had a lot of issues with the team. I think there's a lot of issues within the team about dealing with those guys. I think this year from all reports and just from watching his body language and how he's given effort, it was way better than it was last year. So I, I don't fully believe that. I think on top of that as well, Terrace needs another year to develop would be great at the five spot, play a little twin towers with him next year, but develop a little more underneath him. I don't know. We'll see if Terrace is fully ready to take on the five spot 30 minutes a game as a sophomore. If Hunter leaves that's in the air, but um, Greg did say that the true test will come when Hunter leaves for Juwan. The true test for John will, when, will be when Hunter leaves. Is that next year? Is it a year after that? I don't know. I don't know if I fully agree with that either, but I, I, I fight back against that on Greg. I, I think that Hunter is actually not an asshole. I think that he's a pretty likable guy and um, oh. surprisingly, surprisingly soft-spoken. I think if you were to talk with Come him, on. like in the locker room. This guy now, went on a microphone well, and insulted an institution of 50,000 students, hundreds of thousands of women. And it makes alumni. him money. And it makes him a lot of money. Well, that, no, that's fine. But don't say he's soft-spoken. I mean, if, if that guy in, in the Dickinson, locker room. In a locker room. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, that's a fair distinction. I mean, if that guy's soft spoken, I want to no, see who's boisterous. Who's boisterous and, and loud and opinionated? I mean, it, I mean, it's like you're going to have to shatter the decibel meter to find someone. I, to me, he's the most outspoken to a fault. I don't think it does anybody any good for him to do what he does. I mean, if I were a Michigan fan, I don't think I would like him. And I have a lot of Michigan fan friends they're not big fans of his act. They like him as a player, but they don't, they don't like a lot of the stuff that he does. And they're, they're kind of burned out on it. It's, it's from my conversations, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. That was a Greg's theory. I'm not saying I subscribe to that as a general rule. Yeah. I mean, as a general rule, just give me the talent. Like I, the whole, like, I'm going to be better if I get rid of this really good guy. I, Maybe I'm not, it's no, it's not that it's never happened. It has happened where a team, you know, Grant Hill left the Pistons were better. It was like, what the fuck's going on here? I don't know if I can swear <laughs> yeah. on this, but, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's like everyone, how did that team get 15 games better when Grant Hill leaves for Chucky Atkins and Ben Wallace? So there's a sports precedent for it. I'm not saying Greg's nuts. I, I do think it's an interesting theory. It'll be interesting to see if it gets tested, you know, next year, or two years from now. I, and this will be the last question I ask you, and then you can start oh, peppering me. This is, what, but, this is why this is good. Uh, so it's conversational, okay? Yeah. I, I, I'm sitting in my host chair in the studio here, so I, I've got to remember I'm not on my own show. But I'm curious for your take, as you were a, for the most part, four-year starter. I mean, you started double-digit games all four years you were yeah. there. So I, I defer to your acumen here. The in-game, end-of-game coaching decisions have been – I think objectively the most discussed 
criticism angle of Juwan Howard this season. Yeah. I, I pretty, other than I did watch the entire Indiana game, for the most part, I only watched like the last five minutes of close Michigan games. I just, I got other stuff going on. I, my wife's already tired of me watching every second of every Michigan State game. Right. So I, so I'm only seeing the end of game pretty much. I don't think he's great at the end of the games. I mean, I don't know if it's results or guys are just missing open looks or whatever. Joey Baker missing a wide open shot. He's a 40 plus three point guy. That's not on Juwan Howard. So I think it's a little overblown, but like, what's your take on that? Is that a fair criticism? Are you seeing from a guy with a high basketball IQ like yourself? Are you seeing like, Oh, I don't like Juwan's approach to the end of game situations. Or is that sort of idiot Twitter fan nonsense? I, I think mostly dumb. Um, I think there's some criticisms there. I think they were trying to do too much. I think, uh, I can't remember what game it was. There's sometimes they try and do a little too much and where they should just simplify. I mean, beeline at the end of the game, it was quick hitters. Like we were running a ball screen or a pin down action. Like there was not a lot of complicated action going on. Like it was, we're going to win with talent and we're going to exploit the inevitable switch that happens, like all the switching. So I think they were actually, he was trying to do too much. And, 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 and the weird argument is like, he's not doing enough. And I'm like, he should just simplify it. He, he did it really well. The other part of it is some of it's on the players. The IU game at home, they ran a ball screen action and they tried to run sort of an odd Spain action where Jet, like, I don't know if he was supposed to come off a pin down after um, Hunter set the screen, if you're just supposed to replace the roller. I don't know what happened, but they set a screen, wasn't a good screen on Hunter, didn't even touch the man. And then Kobe went down in the paint and he went down and he got inside the paint, dribbled out a little bit and didn't even look at the rim. And if this was you know, a few games later, Kobe's talent would say, okay, just go make a spin move and shoot a little jumper like you do every, like during the other 39 minutes of the game. So some of it is on the players for sure. Like a lot of it, Kobe and the IU game at IU just recently, half court, he had a chance to shoot it and he just like tried to throw it to Hunter in the middle of the court inexplicably. And so that's some nerve there. That's still freshman nerves. I think they're working through so some, I think it goes both ways, but like at the same time, your, your guys gotta, you gotta be confident. Like you gotta let your talent show through and no matter what play you draw up, the timing and the execution have to be right. And that's why quick hitters are usually best. I think if you overcomplicate things, like there's only a few Brad Stevens and like, that's really only in like some variances out of timeouts with like some out of bounds plays. I think when you watch the NBA, what's the final minute? It's one-on-one because you don't want to overcomplicate things. Like some ball screen stuff, it depends on who the opposing big is defending it, but um, or whatever mismatch you may have. I don't know. I, I wouldn't overcomplicate it, uh, and I think it's a little bit of both. But I think they've done pretty well. I mean, this it, again, it's you know consolation, but they've been in overtimes three games in a row, and those games, fifteen games ago, they had just lost by ten in the final minute. Like this, so progress. Is great and if but if it's not winning your games, obviously it's not that great. But I think they have done a lot better. Like they the way they've executed to get those games into overtime or come back from deficits, like it um was it Wisconsin that looked bleak, like they have been doing better. So I think the criticism a little it's it's just it's um it's easy when you're losing games. I think if they've been winning the games and run the exact same thing, there'd be zero criticism whatsoever, which is which is one of my I mean- well, as an example, I mean, the aforementioned Baker shot, everyone was, how does the final shot go through Baker? I, I said it on Twitter right after. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm the, this is the idiot Sparty over here, but if you're telling me I can get a wide open look for a guy that shoots like 44% from three, I, coach, good job, coach. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. what's what, what more do you want? I, I understand right. the argument of having to go through your best guy, but. Uh, you you got it to your your best three point shooter, objectively speaking, statistically on the team. Got a wide open look for the win. I, I'll take it. I didn't like if I were a Michigan fan that nonsense at the end of regulation against Indiana. I, I don't know. Am I crazy? How does that play not go through Dickinson in the post? And if he has to pass yeah. out and they double or triple, fine. I don't know how you don't not just get a post touch, but the whole thing should have been geared on Dickinson. He was giving them some real problems down low. Is that a, a fair criticism? No, for sure. And it, it was odd. Like I mentioned before, it looked like he was calling for it. Yeah. Like he was like, he like literally motioned his arm to Kobe. I think at the ball I was like pass a jet. And I thought he was going to post up and then he just went out and set a screen. So I don't know. I'd be interested to see what the play call was 
at that point too, there's a point where, you know, Hunter's got to demand the ball. Like he is the all American big guy supposed to be, you know, all big 10 player. There's a point where you got to call the play yourself and you got to go in the huddle. I mean, there's, I didn't go in every single on huddle and uh, call the play, but Zach and I, a lot of times junior and senior be like, this is what we see. This is what we need to do. But a lot of it was self-evident. Like senior year is like Trey's our guy. We, we, we're just going to give it to Trey and run a ball screen. That's like, what else are we supposed to do here? Unless we need a three and we'll maybe run some variation of a screen. But yeah, I, I think that it does have to go to Hunter. And I think where that comes from, maybe they, maybe they did call that play. I don't know. It just looked really weird yeah. at the end. But I think like you have to tell everyone, go to Hunter and and he's got to demand that. So it's a bit of both ways, but yeah, you, you, there's no way that jo, Je, or Juwan should be calling anything else in that game. Maybe some of their games are a little different, but in that game, no, should be. I'd have to, I mean, I have to cut the tape back on, but from remembering the play that did not look like the coaching staff called a post, you know, touch for Dickinson and the defense denied it. And you just had to go elsewhere. That, that just didn't look like that was a design. No. It looked like it was an option, but I, that had to go through him unless they're triple teaming them, you know, on the past, which would never happen anyway. So yeah, I, I, I mean, as someone that was rooting for Indiana, I, I thought it was great, but I, I thought it was absurd. What, what are the chances of Michigan winning that game? If he's going down low and, and driving, I mean, 60%, I, right. I, I mean, it's pretty high. I, I would take my chances. And if, you know, if you're all American best player, who's great in the post, doesn't get it done. I'll go down with that chip. It's better than the alternative and going down with whatever the hell that was. I, I don't know what that was. I mean, you, you should know a thing or two about this. Actually, you were a absolute menace at the end of games with you had a game winner against Michigan state and a game effective ender at Breslin. I, that was the first time you guys had won there in like 15 years or something, right? When you hit the three, yeah. you guys were up, you were, I think you were up to, I was there. Yeah. You're up you're to up with to the ball, slowly losing momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're up to with the ball with like, I don't know, 35 or 30 seconds left or whatever. So yeah, something like that. Yeah. You were, man, you were a source. I, I mean, the first time we've met quote unquote, but I know your face really well because my, my best friend's a Michigan grad. And uh, anytime I would give him any type of shit for anything, he would send a picture of you hitting the, <laughs> That's good. That's so I've seen you, I've seen a, a picture of you shooting that shot yeah, 6,000 times in my life. So that's, yeah. you're a major trash talk source for him but yeah i mean you were I, i'm only half kidding i mean you won these games you were the one winning these games for your team i mean those are the two i know about yeah. maybe there were other teams that you had uh, you tortured us twice i don't know i i just thought in both years one of them was like a layup right i mean that yeah and a and a, a you know i think burke got to you yeah and obviously the three was a great shot i i just i feel like Beeline was better at this. I, I think it is overblown. Like I said, Baker, wide open. People were mad about that. That's nonsense. But I, I felt like Beeline was so good. I felt like you guys always at least got a pretty good look. And it doesn't seem that way. But again, you're comparing Juwan to, I mean, Beeline's what? One of the best eight to 10 X's and O's coaches of the last 30 years. So that right. is a high standard, but to be fair. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a fair point. I think. I think what you were saying, why we got shocked at the end every time was because he simplified it. I think where you get like, especially like in the NBA, it's a little more open court. So it's a little easier, but it's like, all right, we're going to run something. We'll try it. But if that doesn't work, we're at least bailed out to where like the guy with the ball, we trust to make something happen within this space. And so I think sometimes they'll overcomplicate it and then be like, oh, we just put him in a place where there's like way too much help side defense. And that that's obviously it's hard to do in college. It's help side defense everywhere at all times, but I think what Beeline did really well was simplify it a little bit, not overthink some things, um, especially when you have a young team and the talent that Michigan has. I mean, they have such talent that, yeah, it's probably easier just to simplify everything and go from there. But, um, yeah, I think we could be talking a little different. Some of these shots were to fall, or let's say Kobe was a little more aggressive at that IU game at Michigan if you were just to turn around and hit that shot like he does all the time. So, you know, there's a lot of what-ifs there. Um, but we'll see. It's uh, You know, before we get out of here, I want to talk about the look, but I want to I want to talk about some Michigan State basketball a little bit, and then going into the Big Ten tournament, what your thoughts are as a whole with the Big Ten. Michigan State to me, um, I, I think they look they look good ever since the Michigan game. I mean, they, they should be four and zero. That Iowa meltdown was tough, but they controlled that game and they looked really good in that one. Besides the last couple minutes in OT, 
um, you know, had a really good win against IU. And then I think, you know, what it was Ohio state was whatever. And there was another game. Minnesota was, you know, no, not Minnesota. Who, who was the second last game they played for Michigan state? Yeah. Uh, second to last game. Um, I know we just beat Ohio State. They, they all kind of mixed together for They me, all mixed honestly. together. Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. yeah, it was was that the one that was the one at Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if that was the second or third last one. We 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 just looked so bad in the first half and then a definition of tail two halves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I this is a weird team. I this is like in in February, I think basketball is always in this era a small guy wing sport it didn't used to be but the last 10 to 15 years i think it's always that year round but big men do seem to have more of an impact in the regular season than they do in the tournament it's even more so a guard and wing sport in college come tournament time Mm -hmm. and the argument for michigan state being in good shape is they have one of the best backcourts in the entire country and you have four guys that are shooting 41% or higher from three. They're the only power five team in the country that has that. And Aikens, yeah. Walker, Hauser, and Hall. So I got four guys that are, by definition, objective elite shooters. I got three ball handlers. Can they mitigate that lack of a big man? I, I think they can, not to win six games in the, in the big dance. I think that's a tall order. At some point, you're going to have to grab an offensive rebound and get an extra possession and steal a possession. And this team doesn't do that. Yeah, but they they are capable of going on a run. I would rather have a really good backcourt and good wing play than a really good front court, a bunch of good bigs and shoddy guard play, especially in the tournament. So, right, I I I, I like this team. I wish they had gotten someone in the portal. That's the oldest Michigan State argument ever. People are kind of tired of it, so I'll just leave that there. I wish they had done that and they didn't. But I like this team a lot. If you have four guys that can shoot at that level and three very good ball handlers, you can do a lot, but it is going to be the definition of shots got to fall because I don't see them having one of those games where, and we've seen it every time Izzo run, there's one game where they shoot 33.8% from the field as a team and win anyway. Yeah, I don't think this team is going to be able to do that. I mean, you would need the other team to have an even worse night. I, I don't see them as capable, or at least a good bet, to overcome that. So they do have a flaw. It's just, is it a serious flaw or a fatal flaw? I don't know which one yet, but I, I like this team. I really do. Yeah. Uh, and and one guy in particular I really like is Joey Hauser. I think he's his game. I watched him in person at IU and he, it was like a red Mamba out there. It was like Scalabrini. He just moving at his own pace and he's getting open shots and he's tall and he can hit threes but I was looking through your Twitter and it was people don't do people not like Joey Hauser in the MSU. Is he a Oh, oh they do now. A bunch of Johnny come lately's. I was getting pitchforks thrown at my head last year. What are they not defending. like? What, what was he not shooting? Well, I wasn't following too, too close. Well, he it just, he, there are a number of things. I mean, he does struggle defensively. Everybody understands that. And that's, that, that's not an effort thing. That's just, he's a little slow footed side to side. He doesn't have the best hit mobility in the world. So yeah. that was part of it. But he was, you know, he was tentative. It's not, if you look at his numbers, he, although he's shooting much better now, he was never a bad shooter at Michigan State, but there, he had a little bit of that lack of confidence issues. He would, he'd be wide open and would hesitate and then pass out. And yeah. he did have frustrating moments, but I, I just, I felt like the Michigan State fan base didn't see, you can see where a guy has it and just needs to take a breath and relax. Versus a guy that just is never going to be good. And I'm not going to name any Michigan State guys because I want to be a dick. But there have been Michigan State guys over the years where I, I'm telling my buddies, like, this guy's never going to be good. I always saw it with Hauser. You could see the guy's a good player, really good player. Yeah, He just had to take a breath, settle down, and, hey, man, like let it rip. You know, Believe in yourself a little bit. And, yeah, so the Michigan State fan base loves him now. But they, I, I said he's like this generation – and score on Sutan, not in game because they're very different style players, but in terms of the Michigan State fan base, like basically not hating, but having so many issues and constantly complaining about them. Right. And then senior year, it's this redemption tour and everybody loves them. Sutan wins the regional MVP and you know they knock off number one overall seed. Louisville in 09, and now everyone remembers him so fondly, but they hated him for 3.8 years before that. So yeah, yeah. yeah, They, they love him now. That was not the case for, for a long time. And I've always been a Hauser guy. I always saw it with him and 
I'm just thrilled for him. I'm as happy for him as anybody on the team to see him doing well. And I think it's been a redemption tour for him. Yeah, he's fun. He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch. I just like his game. And I love anybody who can play well and that slow. Like, I just I appreciate people going at their own pace. And he's just going to do exactly what he's good at. So I, I always love that. I uh, love watching guys like that. I'm curious. I want to talk about the Big Ten tournament, but Michigan State's prospects. This all, you know, it's always like trying to find the teams that are hungry enough. And I don't know where Michigan State is projected in the tournament. And, and if I've said it on here before, but like I hated the Big Ten tournament. If I knew we were pretty much locked into a certain number seed, I did not care for it. Is this Michigan State team? Are they? Are, do you think they're looking for a, a higher seed? Is this something they always they always seem to like the Big Ten tournament a little bit? I mean, every group is a little different, but do you see them being able to make a run here? Oh yeah, for sure. And part of it is a function of the conference isn't that good this year. It's just Wild. not. Yeah, it's it's just not a it's not a good conference this year. I mean, would it shock anybody? I'm not predicting it. I wouldn't you know, bet on it. But would it shock anybody if Ohio State got hot and knocked off Purdue in a game? I mean, right. it, it would a couple of things would have to happen for them to even get to Purdue. But I'm just saying, if if it got there, it's nothing is that surprising. And Tom Izzo said something yesterday or the day before about you know look, Minnesota's looked a lot better the last couple of weeks. I mean, even like the bottom of the conference has looked you know, functional and competent. So yeah, I think Michigan state can absolutely win the whole thing. And I, I, this team does not strike me as a team that doesn't want to be there ever. And is just going to kind of mail it in as a relative term mm-hmm. I, for whatever flaws they have. That's not one of them. They have a lot of everyone's the dog in them thing is so overused, but it's kind of true. AJ Hogard is actually kind of scary. Um, I mean, that is a compliment. Like he's, he would kind of frighten me as I, you know, it's you know, <laughs> got to actually like be locked in. Like he's, he's, he's kind of, kind of terrifying, you know, when he's glaring at you, they don't. And Tyson Walker has some of that same kind of F you edge. I don't see them as being a team that, Oh, you know, we, we have to win this to go from a seven seed to a six in the tournament. I just think they want to win every game they play and they have for whatever flaws they have, they have an edge to them. And that's to their benefit, I think, because, they're not one of the best five or six teams in the country, but their compete level is really high. Not every Michigan State team has had that, but the best evidence that they're going to really go for it in this Big Ten tournament is Tom Zill's won the thing a bunch of times and has you know yeah. gotten close a bunch of other times. The culture of the program has been to embrace it. Now, Tom Zill used to hate it openly his first five to six years of it, but has I since know. really embraced it. I'm curious, is, is it your opinion – or was it common with your teammates? Were you guys all kind of like, uh, like F this or was that, or were you kind of an outlier in that regard? Yeah. Um, it wasn't quite F this. Our, my senior year in particular, like we just expended all of our energy in the regular season. And then like, it was such a high to share t- um, the title of the big 10 and like get there from nowhere it took so much effort that like there was just a mental letdown after that. I think it was like, we accomplished something so big in our minds and like, so unbelievable to some other people, to most other people that like, we just had a bit of a mental lapse. Um, now I will say this Ohio upset us. That team was very good. So they were not the seed. They were, they were much more talented. They almost knocked off UNC to get in the elite eight and UNC won that year. So, um, but yeah, it, it was definitely went into the big tournament. It was like, I just want to get to the to the uh, NCAA tournament now. Like, I don't care. I want to win one game, get a little fresh. Next game, you know, I already know what my job is. Like, I know I'm going to execute it in the NCAA tournament. I was just like chomping at the bit to get to the NCAA tournament and nobody get hurt because we played like six guys. And so, I don't know. It, I had a really different view of it, but I don't think that's super common. I mean, I know that this Michigan team's obviously dying to win every single game. And you've got a lot of Michigan teams that are, that have been the same way. I think my team was like just a little more unique in that sense. Um, but I think even that 13 team, I think they got knocked out, didn't they? Pretty early in that Big Ten tournament or something. The 2013 Michigan State team? Michigan team. I know we – oh, Michigan team. Uh, they, I can't – They didn't win that, did they? I thought they lost. I, can't, I don't remember. But I can't I – what was the year that we played in the championship game? Was that – I thought that was like kind of 13-14 range. I can't remember. I know we won it in 12. That was when we beat the Jared Sollinger – yeah. Ohio State team. That was a fun one. Um, that was that was a great game. That was a heavyweight Total battle. Revenge. 
But you you guys have higher stakes in this thing. I mean, you're playing oh, for yeah. your lives. I yeah, I think uh, I think it was Andrew Kumbo, Michigan State Twitter guy, had a kind of breakdown and projection on Twitter today, where he was like, "Here's the outcomes: Michigan State loses the first game and they're out. They'll probably be a seven seed. They win the whole thing. They're probably a six seed. So it's kind of oh, you're yeah. basically like it's either banner or bust. Like, is there a huge difference in terms of big implications whether they win one game or two? It's like. You obviously, to me, you want to win a banner. That's great. I don't know if there's a whole lot of difference between losing the first game and losing in the championship game. Obviously, the more wins, the better. But it seems like they're locked into that kind of six, seven. You really want to stay off that eight seed line so you can dodge that one seed bullet yeah. in the second game. So I don't think I not gonna say it doesn't matter. It matters a lot less for Michigan State than it does for a lot of schools, particularly if we're talking about the Big Ten, Michigan. I don't know. I, I feel there's all sorts of projections and this stuff doesn't occur in a vacuum. Obviously there's other teams that are doing stuff and vying for a spot in the tournament, but I, I if Michigan loses the first game, they're done. I think everybody understands yeah. that. The question will be, you know, what if they win one and lose one? I, if, as long as they win one, I, to me, they have a, a shot. They'll, they'll need some help, but I'm more interested in the Michigan side personally, just because I think Michigan state's kind of a settled thing at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I see people have said that, and it's kind of surprised me. I didn't think if they beat Rutgers that they would be in, but I don't know. They have a weird mix of bad losses and good net rating recently, uh, especially the upward trend. How much does that play a part? Um, I don't know. You know, it's always a mystery. I think they figured out a little more, but this Michigan team has been a little odd. I mean, last year I thought they it wasn't as big of a shoe in as people like expected them to get in a tournament. So I'm, I might just be a little off on my evaluations. I'm not good at these things anyways, but uh, yeah, if they win one and get in. I, I think I might be a little shocked to be honest, but that is how much the committee does love the big 10. I mean, people love the big 10 and it's kind of bizarre because I haven't watched enough of the rest of college basketball, but big 10 is not great. It's just not and not great. And I know you say like people say that they beat the hell out of each other and that's fine. And I, I will say they've, Every team has looked a lot better in the second half of the Big Ten season, but the first half of the Big Ten season, watching those games was so ugly. I mean, it was it was brutal to watch IU at times. It still is the way they play, just only Trace Jackson Davis at times. But uh, I think that the basketball has improved, but they're definitely not like the powerhouse. Like the amount of teams that they're going to get in compared to other conferences, I think means nothing, which is kind of the case usually. I mean, to me, the best measure of it is you go into many, many years in the last 15, 20 years, several of them you can pick from for the tournament, right before the first game of the tournament. There's two to four Big Ten teams that have like top 10 to 12 national championship odds in Vegas. Like there's years where Michigan had the third best odds. Michigan State had the first or second best odds. And then maybe you have Purdue at like 10 or 11. There's usually at least two or three teams that have really good title odds. I, Purdue does this year, and I don't know if you want to bet on Matt Painter getting it done for six games. I know I don't. That uh, and other than that, I mean, there's there's no one in that. I, I haven't checked recently, but yeah. I don't think there's anybody in that top like 15. So that's an objective way to look at this and say, yeah, this conference is down. And the whole beat each other up thing, save that argument for a year where there's three or four viable national championship contenders. This ain't uh, 2023. I mean, that's not the case now. So, I, yeah, it's it's a weird, weird year, which makes the Big Ten Conference Tournament even more difficult to predict. I told my buddy Anthony Broom, who's a Michigan guy, mm. I saw Michigan at 25-1 to 1 today to win the, the tournament. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten Tournament, but you're giving me 25-1, to 1 and I got like three or four really talented guys, and most of my losses are by one bucket anyway. I, I feel like, eh, 25-1 to is pretty good. I, I, w- I wouldn't mind putting a hundred hours on Michigan at 25 to one to win the big 10 tournament. So yeah. it, it's a weird year. I think there's going to be a lot of people on shows like this that look really dumb for uh, any strong predictions. It's going to be an interesting weekend. Yeah. I'm putting five to 10 bucks on Illinois, Penn state and Michigan. I think the odds are there with plus 200 uh, or more than plus 2000. So I don't know why not throw it down. Who cares? I mean, this this is March, and those got those teams are real hungry. So sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I think this year, yeah, it's up for grabs with everybody, and it kind of seems like everyone does want to show up. But 
it's a game by game basis. I mean, we will see. It's going to be interesting to say the least. I'm I'm curious at how this all fleshes out in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to laugh my ass off when this is the year like the Big Ten gets the most teams into the Sweet 16 since whatever. And it's like, of course, this is the year because it's the most unpredictable thing in the entire world. And and every time we think we know what basketball is and sports are and what we can predict, it just comes and bites us in the ass. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not holding out hope that the Big Ten is going to do well, but it seems like it's set up almost like a that that first Michigan that like Harbaugh season um, was it two seasons ago the first uh, college football playoff appearance and they're like oh it's going to be a bad year and it's like watch they'll they'll ble- they'll do well because there's no expectation so I don't know it feels feels kind of slightly like that I feel like that's like the romantics of sports no would you agree with that oh yeah and especially this year I think the national landscape is sort of reflective of the Big Ten or maybe vice versa it's. Uh, not to the ex- same degree. There's better teams on the national stage than there are in the Big Ten. I think Houston is better than any team in the Big Ten, for example. But uh, there's no, you know, supreme Jay Wright Villanova team or one yeah. of the you know sort of iconic North Carolina teams or the Anthony Davis Kentucky team. And I think you have like two or three teams that are really good like five or six teams that are pretty good. And then it's kind of like a bunch of C plus to B minus. And I, I, who can predict this tournament confidently? I mean, Houston yeah. for as good as they are, they've looked incompetent during long stretches of games against mediocre competition this year that they usually end up figuring it out. But this is not a year where you're watching like a bill self 35 and two Kansas team where almost every night they just look a cut above even the best of the best in this country look like they can get popped at any time by anybody with a pulse that's shooting decent from deep. So yeah. I, this is going to be, this is the year where the office secretary who has never watched a game is going to win the bracket pool. It's just, that's don't even try. No. Don't ignore every podcast. It's telling you here's, I mean, there's throw it all out this year, even more so than other years. I mean, that's every year, but especially this year doesn't feel like a chalk year. I feel like we're going to see a lot of weird stuff this year. Yeah, I, I'm still picking Houston. I picked them. This is going to be my 30 in a row. I, I'm just I all like them. I'm waiting for them to win, mostly so Kelvin Sampson get a championship and I can talk shit to IU fans because it's my favorite thing to do in the entire world. But I'll I, never I forgive them for yeah. the Jordan Poole thing. I mean, that was so what – is, what is he doing? That that was a not guarding the inbounder at that. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, Sorry. that was pretty bad. That was so stupid. I, I, I was saying in real time they're lining up. I'm like – Get, get on the inbounder. I, I, I just I knew it was going to happen. So I'll never forgive him for that. But Houston is my favorite team. And I, I totally agree with you. They play like uh, and they did last year too. their brand of basketball. Man, that would be fun to root for. They're just trying yeah. to punch everybody in the mouth and they are in your face and they have very few lapses. They have a couple mental because they're college kids and every, even NBA players do. But they don't have any like effort lapses. Those guys are on a hundred for the entire 40 minutes. So I'm with you if I had to pick, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost in the second game either. It's a weird year. Yeah, 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 definitely. I always just look at a team and I'm like, would I be scared to play them? Yes, okay, I believe in them. <laughs> they, they go from there. That was Texas Tech in 2019, and we both ran into that buzzsaw, and they, they had a lot of that same stuff. That Texas Tech was like terrifying. I was almost like rooting for you guys to get them out of our way and then yeah. lose the next game. But yeah, they were a scary team. I did. I wanted no part of them. And that was a tough break, you know, for Michigan state. And, and you guys were just farther upstream of that buzzsaw. Yeah. Well, that has complexity to the conversation of success. I mean, Jordan Poole doesn't hit that shot. Are we talking about beeline the same? I, I don't know. Probably not quite the same. So it's yeah. weird things that happened in March that, uh, that well, that and playing a bunch of turds in the next uh three games. I mean, it's like Florida State <laughs> nine seed, Texas AM seven seed, Loyola Chicago 11 seed. Like, where right. could I sign up for this easy ass path? I mean, my god, but well, I'm not going to get into the maybe beeline's not that great after all conversation because I'm no, probably a bigger no, no, beeline no. fan. I, I think that guy's so good. And w- he came into that program and they were, I mean, they were a mess. I thought I never thought it would work. And I was wrong. I love that guy. So not to denigrate Beeline because he's awesome. That particular team is the definition of you gotta have some luck. I mean, they, I mean, oh, yeah. how, how do you make the national championship game playing nobody higher than a six seed? And you were a three. It wasn't like they were a one seed that really earned the easiest path. I mean, I, there's not many national runner ups that didn't play 
a single top five seed. It just doesn't happen very often. No, it's bizarre. The NCAA tournament is just absolutely bizarre. And I'm still bitter about my senior year, but we will not get into that because that is a too far of a conversation with CD. What, 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 what happened? What do you, what's that in reference? We lost to, we lost to Ohio. Oh, that yeah. was, I thought that was your junior year. So that yeah. was your senior year. Okay. Senior year, we should have beat Duke um, to get to the Sweet 16. And we lost that. But yeah, we lost to Ohio my senior year. And that team, yeah, they went on to challenge North Carolina. It looked like they were possibly going to win, I think, if I remember correctly, to get to the Elite Eight. Um, but then they lost. I think North, yeah, North Carolina went on to win that year, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember Tyler Zeller winning. But uh, yeah, that, that, that exact same team returned next year, all five starters. The coach left for Illinois, and they didn't make the tournament the next year. <laughs> and so I was like, you got to be kidding me. But they were yeah. good. They had... They had really good players, and we got, I thought, screwed out of a seed that year, uh, just a one better seed. And, yeah, it was uh, – I can't remember what we were. It was like four – was it three, four, 12? Is that what it is? I can't remember, but I remember just – This tournament's a, stupid, man. I mean, it's, for, it's, yeah. Like, I don't blame you. I mean, Michigan – I mean, you were on the court, so I'll, I'll defer on the, uh, you know, the level of emotional investment. But, I mean, the Middle Tennessee State thing – I'm not saying they were a great team. They got just destroyed in their next game. But like, how many teams are going to win when your opponent comes out and is like seven of eight from three on crazy shots? Like immediately, you're down like 15 to two before you even know the game started. I, yeah, it's, I'm not saying it was an insurmountable. Like Michigan State had a lead or it was tied with like a couple minutes left, so they they could have won that game. But it's just. You know, if if Middle Tennessee State does anything other than hit seven ridiculous shots from the parking lot in the first four minutes, I don't think that game happens, and that team might win the whole thing. You just have right. to survive that. What I mean, you talked about North Carolina surviving a scare and then going on to big success. There's a lot of national championship teams that barely got out of a game against a lesser opponent. They won by one or two. You know, the Louisville team that beat you, which uh, not your team but the because you that was the year before that was the year after the 2013 yep. team but yeah that Louisville team Wichita State had them dead in the in the semifinal and, and they pulled that one out so yeah you need some weird stuff to happen although Wichita State was better than middle Tennessee State in Ohio but yeah that's why this thing is so hard and this year more than ever and I that's why I think that sweet 16 thing is not something to completely thumb your nose at. We were talking about earlier because it's hard to win a, even a couple games in this thing. It just is. It's a weird thing. You have one guy that's off and one guy that's on on the other team, and you're just gone. It's not you know a best of three or whatever. So yep. I'm fascinated to see this tournament play out. And this would not surprise me if we see like a six seed win the whole thing. I, I would not be surprised. This is the no. year to do it. No, you get hot, and and this is a year of all years for a team to get hot i remember was it a couple years ago when it was like baylor and gonzaga were the clear favorites and they were like well it's anybody's game but then it came down to baylor and gonzaga like i don't don't think it is this year i think it's really like whoever's going to get hot can make a run and be consistent it's going to come down to some guard play some senior senior leadership i think i mean talent is always helpful but i think you're going to see some maybe more advances from some more experienced teams. Um, I don't know. It'll be fun, but it's fickle as hell. And the, the conversations around them get very sure of themselves when, when these, when these things happen or don't happen. So it's a, a college sports is the most interesting sports topic in that regard, because we want to make so many absolutes about a lot of luck and a lot of situational things that have to happen. So it's a, uh, it's constant, but I, I it's good conversations. I appreciate you coming on and chat with me about it. Um, I do love these kinds of talks where it gets a little layered with these sorts of things and to have your perspective with everything and the history of it. Like I didn't, I, I, I can't go that far back with Michigan and Michigan state history. I barely remember my game. So I appreciate you coming on and, and giving me some wisdom there and a different perspective. Um, it was really great. And I'll have to have you I'll definitely have to have it back on. We'll see what happens with the tournament um but you know i'll I'll be i'll be chirping on twitter so you can find me there if they beat if they beat Rutgers, you better believe i'm calling for like a five-point win against purdue oh you have to that's that's you're doing your job as a fan it is yep. an alum so you should be yeah i, I appreciate the invite and i don't know, we went like an hour and you didn't once apologize for beating michigan state twice <laughs> and breaking my heart and 
having my friend send pictures of you for six years after the fact. So yeah. I'm still waiting. I'll check my mailbox. Maybe you mailed the apology, but uh, <laughs> happy to do it anytime. And, you know, if you're ever in the Oakland County, Michigan area, I, I got to get you in the Michigan state room. I don't know if it's going to like melt your skin. Probably not. There, but I would, I would, yeah, that would be good. I would appreciate that. Well, yeah. It's funny. The, it was my senior year. And Keith Appling looked at me. It was a free throw. And he said, are, you guys are trying to beat us three times in a row, huh? And I was like, that's that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I was like, that's when I realized that we were back on at least close to equal footing and that the rivalry was back. And that was the success in and of itself. So it's fun to have that that rivalry be is what it is. It's always for me. I mean, I don't care as much about football. So the Ohio State rivalry was just never really did it for me the way Michigan State did. So it's it's fun to have it each year. And I hope for the sake of both sides that Juwan can figure this thing out, steer the ship in the right direction. Like I think he will and is capable of and keep that rivalry going. Cause it is some of the most fun back and forth on both sides on Twitter. I try and stay away. You get, you get pretty involved. You're pretty good with that, but I, I try and stay away from that, but overall it's been a, it's been a good run so far. Yeah. Yeah. Next time we'll talk about why your team's completely locked up Draymond green. Like he, he's guys, one of the best players in the country in 2012, and just was terrible in both the games. <laughs> you guys, you guys locked him up for. I don't That'd know what. Yeah, that, we can do that next time. But I'm fascinated. Like, what was the secret sauce with Draymond, where the guy would go like 20 points, 19 points, 18 points, 22 points, the mission game like six. Like it was, it was three or four games in a row. I felt like he was always bad in that game the last couple of years when he was at his peak. So I'm fascinated yeah. for that conversation. But we'll leave that next time. But definitely, I appreciate. Yeah. It, hey, shout out Zach Novak. I give him a lot of credit there. But definitely some game planning. I mean, Draymond was. Enemy number one we were focusing on. But, yeah, we'll definitely have to talk about that next time. Justin, I appreciate you, man. Uh, a lot of fun. We'll definitely have to do it again. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Um, we'll put the link up. You can find Justin on Twitter. If you if you see my stuff, you find it through Twitter. Uh, but what is what is your ad? It's at? At Darko State News. Don't, don't ask why. It's a long story. <laughs> I won't. I won't. But you can find him there. Uh, appreciate you. Until next time, everybody. See ya. Thanks. <laughs>